Zach Wilson, I think, can actually be a league winner, right? Like, I think that Zach Wilson can actually be that go-to guy. And, you know, you probably made that – you probably got that championship belt last year, right? We oh, went yeah. from, Kings? from trophies yeah. – dude, the Kings belt. Like, that. I saw that belt. I didn't realize how heavy that belt was. That's a big sucker, man. You see the picture I tweeted my grandma with it? <laughs> no, I missed that. That's awesome. It was was so she able funny. to pick it up, or did you have to like put it on like her shoulder? She was outside, and she's like freaking ninety. Like she was outside just watering the flowers, and I was like, "Oh, Oma, like come look at this belt real quick." I was just gonna show it to her, and she takes it and throws it on her shoulder, and is like, "Walking <laughs> Dude, around that thing's with like forty-five pounds or something." I know. I was heavy. like, "I was like, oh my, that thing weighs half your freaking size." Like, what are you doing? 10 out of 10 for me, man. That shit was legit. I We did a bulk order, I think, because like the past champions were able to uh, apply for it. So yep. it was a hundred bucks each, man. Hey, I, you know, I, I lose a hundred bucks on a, on a regular UFC card trying to trying to bet on whatever's going on. So at least that one gets to uh, stay in my mantle for a while. So trophysmack.com. Dude, they got these trophies that are like three or four feet tall. Like they're insane. You can get one like fishbowls on it. You can get one with like bobbleheads on it. It is sick, man. You guys got to go check out trophysmack.com. I mean, you heard it. Ian didn't even know. And he literally vouched for the company without even knowing the news vouching for it. Go check out trophysmack.com. While you're there, go enter in promo code CIRCLE. Once again, that's promo code CIRCLE. You will get a free ring valued at 60 bucks. So go check out trophysmack.com. Go enter in the promo code CIRCLE to get your free ring. I've never had a tougher day getting off Twitter. Like every time that I refresh Twitter, there was something crazier. It makes me long for the simple days of last year when my only concern was was a game getting moved to a Wednesday. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I yeah. miss those days. Those seem so simple. I remember being all stressed out back then when we were trying to figure out what week does this game go to now? Does it go to the next week? Because if if it's a Wednesday game, it's very close to Thursday, which is the next week, but it's still the old week because I, I missed it. I love days. that. This is Fantasy Intervention. Fantasy Life, Shane Manila, Jacob Sanderson, and Chase Vernon. Welcome on into Fantasy Intervention. We have another episode coming at y'all, of course, for week nine. Welcome on in Fantasy Football Discussion. Welcome to Twitter. If you guys have any questions over there on Twitter, I know that they are having difficulties with getting those comments over. So go to youtube.com slash fantasy intervention to get those questions over to us. We will be answering them throughout the entire show. Can someone give me a timeline of the, the, the Belkham Jr. day? Oh, absolutely. Like it just, so, so at first, well, it started last night, right? When Pops <laughs> released the video, um, Trash yeah. and Baker, right? Wait, 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 Baker's wife Odell came back Beckham at Sr.? Odell Beckham the first. Um, put out a video trashing Baker Mayfield for consistently not throwing to or missing uh, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. the second. Um, okay, so and then you have to say the second. Yes, um, and then Mrs. Baker Mayfield, uh, uh, Bakey Mayfield, I'll call her. She came out and blasted Odell's dad on Instagram, right? Right. Yeah. Or just threw some shade, right? 
And then yeah. today, Odell punched someone in practice? Or did no, I make that no, up? No, no, no. That part's wrong. <laughs> if this was two truths and a lie, we just found okay. the lie. All right, so that part didn't happen. But apparently, Odell didn't feel like coming to practice today. No, no, no. That's also not him true. Yesterday. That's also not did, true. They did try to trade him yesterday. Yes, they did do that. Okay. So then he didn't come to practice today? He was, was told, told not, not to come to practice. He was because they felt he was a distraction. Which yeah. he was probably going to punch somebody. Rightly so. He's probably or or, or he was just going to ask someone to shit on him. Yeah. And then and then next thing came out was Baker, you know, then the Browns actually leaked that their head coach even noted that Baker's not, or excuse me, that Odell Beckham the third is not part of this team um, anymore, basically. And now we're to the point where they've told him you go away forever and we would like you never to come back. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Bake, as of like Monday, Stefanski was talking about how they need to get him more targets, need to get him more involved in the offense. Uh, I think I've heard that speech actually uh, about eight times since he's been in Cleveland about how they need to find ways to get him more involved. Anyway, and uh, yeah, then then obviously uh, OBJ Senior posts the thing. He comes in today. Apparently, he wanted to practice. He was ready to practice. They said no. Since that time, he has severed contact with Kevin Stefanski. Won't return his calls. Won't talk to him. Uh, wants something to do with him. Uh, and and so he's been negotiating with Andrew Barry, the GM. And I assume the negotiations is that basically, if, if they cut him, uh, the financial situation. So he has two years left after this on his contract, but all of that is non-guaranteed. So he's gone at the end of the year, no matter what. I think we all pretty much knew that before the season, unless he came out and had like twelve hundred yards. So. He has $8 million left this year that's fully guaranteed. If they waive him, then the only way that they don't pay that is if someone claims him, which I'm pretty sure if someone's going to claim off waivers, he would have been traded on the trade deadline yesterday. So $8 no one's going to claim him. No claim him. Uh, and then I assume he probably would get signed by somebody after he clears waivers. Uh, basically, I think the negotiations are just they want to reach some sort of buyout because from the sounds of it, Beckham fully wants to play. Uh, and he probably wants to play for not the Browns. And so if, if they basically, I think if they're just going to say, hey, if, if we grant you your release, um, you know, how much money can we get back? Whereas exactly. otherwise they'll just burn a spot on the 53 to essentially hold him as a prisoner. Right. Well, well, a little different than being a prisoner because he'll be paid $8 million. Also won't be in prison. Um, so basically, <laughs> have, you, have you been around the Cleveland Browns organization? I've been, to, I've been close to Cleveland and Cleveland is a tough town. I will say that it's not a place that I would <laughs> like to be at the Cleveland detention center. Yeah. I would not like to ever be there again on purpose. Um, but yeah, so they, there's no impetus for them to cut him because they don't save any money. So unless he's willing to accept the buyout, which it, it, he should be able willing to accept if he actually wants to play football again this year, um, he'll take. But who knows? We have no idea what's going on. Maybe his pop will put out a disc tape. Um, I hope so. I want LeBron to get more involved. I want to. Yeah, I, I I saw LeBron got involved. I didn't want to know, so I just didn't even look. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, what a wild day we did. Had. LeBron threaten to fight <laughs> Baker Mayfield or and or Baker Mayfield's wife? Or am I making that up? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what happened, okay, Dave. That's okay. why we got you covered, man. That's why we talked through all the contact implications for you. So wait, so there's going to be a tag team match. It's going to be Odell Beckham uh, the first, Odell Beckham the second, LeBron uh, James the third versus yeah. Baker Mayfield. Kevin Stefanski and, and Bakey. Bakey Mayfield. 
Yeah, and, and I assume Jarvis Landry is the ref. He's he seems to have an affinity for all sides. But he's really like this is like the, the when the you know when Degeneration X split up and Shawn Michaels was the ref because he was you know he was close to Triple H and uh, Six Pack or whatever they were calling him at that time. But he's really Triple H's dude. You know that. You know what I mean? That's Jarvis too. Like he's gonna definitely like turn a blind eye when Odell uh, Junior Beckham Senior the third <laughs> hits. Um, Bakey Mayfield with a chair. <laughs> oh my God. All right. I'm, I'm cutting this right now. All right. We got to hop into this episode because we have a lot more to talk about other than tag team wrestling matches with chairs and Bakey Mayfield. But yeah, we start out first with a little bit of a recap of week eight, which was uh, not too great for Shane and I. But once again, Jacob did kill it. He finished the uh, week off with four points. Having two players, one player at RB1 with Michael Carter, and then the second guy with Darren Arnold as the tight end. Too. I got uh, Michael Carter, by the uh, way. Nope. I, I went back and watched <laughs> nope. the video and verified it. <laughs> okay, it's a Bruder film. Oh, you, hey, Shane, you still did all right. All right. You, you ended up going with Devontae Booker, finished out as RB14, hmm. but uh, I ended up finishing up with two points. Shane finished Booker, up with one. Booker, I barely even knew her. Exactly what I was thinking. I, I don't know how you read my mind. <laughs> But no, uh, it was just a little bit of a rough Toronto joke. Toronto said he wants Shane more involved in the streams. I think after that joke, we're lucky if we see Shane next Wednesday. <laughs> All right, let's leave the funnies to me and you guys come with the hard-hitting analysis and saying things like, Ooh, Oh, God. Now, and then we had Michael Pittman, uh, who was picked to be a success. However, our quarterback position did not do too hot. Uh, who picked Michael Pittman, me? Chase. No, that was me. I, I feel like Mike I picked these players. I and feel then, like, and then Jacob joked me because he said I, he was complete chalk, and everybody else was going to pick him too. So we uh, we did pretty poorly with the quarterback position. Uh, Jameis Winston was on track to have a quarterback one finish, but he ended up getting hurt. Then we had Matt Ryan and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, yeah, why do we... I keep picking Matt Ryan? Well, oh, okay. I for the record, if I knew Calvin Ridley wasn't going to be playing, I wouldn't have picked Matt Ryan. But um, yeah. I don't understand why I keep having faith in this guy. And he keeps ending up on more of my dynasty rosters seemingly by the week. I don't actually understand how. I just I keep logging into Sleeper every Saturday night, and I go to set lineups, and I keep seeing this M Ryan uh, in my QB one chair, and it's really I'm really getting tired of it. I don't quite understand how this happened, but I guess I've just been buying him because he's cheap. But yeah. he's so tilting to root for. He's terrible. But I think this is also one of the years that he was supposed to perform because he's like every other year, right? I think this is supposed to be yeah, an odd exactly. Year, it's, it's an odd year. I mean, it was never going to be a good year for him because Calvin Ridley is not a great alpha receiver and uh, Kyle Pitts is still a rookie. So, you know, that's that's just at least the storyline that everybody likes to tell us. He, he has Tajay Tajay Sharp. Sharp. Here's Russell Gage. And honestly, I'm a little disappointed that Alameda's the key has not become a thing. I had high hopes for, for uh, the Greek god. No. <laughs> Shane, you look aggravated. So, no, I just I don't, I don't care about that. I mean, it's Kyle Pitts and... Um... That's it. Yeah, I mean, oh, can, like, we, can we Patterson, talk on Marcellus Wiley for Patterson, that shitty take, by the way? Marcellus Wiley it. from Pulp Fiction? No, the guy, he does the show with Acho. <laughs> oh. What did he say? On ESPN. Oh, he said that Calvin Ridley uh, doesn't, he's Fox not Sports. cut out for the NFL uh, and he should apply to a job at the post office. Yeah, um, Marcellus Wiley is a stupid bitch. Um, <laughs> Whoa. I mean, look mental health stuff so you know i kind of take it to heart because i obviously have had many uh mental health issues which if you follow me on twitter i've been pretty open about 
Um, so I actually like the fact that people like Calvin Ridley are being out front with the whole, I have mental health issues and normalize it because the problem is, is for too long, it hasn't been normalized. And what people tried to do was self-medicate or not deal with it at all and then kill themselves or kill other people. And then everybody joke about how the crazy guy killed six people. Um, so fuck Marcellus Wiley. He is a bitch made fool. Okay. Yeah, you, you said it. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Uh, it definitely needs to be said sometimes. So let's go ahead and hop into some of these news updates. Instead of doing like the, the flex positions to, uh, you know, try and target this week or, you know, finding some of these post waiver wire sleepers, I actually do want to talk about some of these news updates. And I want to start out with Henry Ruggs. I want to keep the news aspect short. What happened was fucked up situation. Uh, never should have happened in the first place. I don't want to dwell on that too much because there's not much we can say about it outside of it's really fucked up. But I want to talk about some of the potential replacements for Henry Ruggs. And, you know, if we think that that somebody in this offense is going to take over the, the you know, targets that Derek Carr was kind of spreading around because Derek Carr now is somewhat infamous for saying, hey, I'm just going to give it to who's ever open. I'm not trying to target one guy or another everybody's going to get it. And we've seen Darren Waller, right? He hasn't seen a ton of targets. Everyone's like, going to get it. That sounds like my motto. But anyway. Although mine is literally anyone, anyone at all can get it. I, whatever. <laughs> I think that's also so, COVID-19's motto. Oh God. <laughs> so, going to get it. Especially Aaron Rodgers. Uh, do you think that he could end up, you know, keeping these targets spread out like Zay Jones will now be a factor in his offense? No. Or do we think that, that Darren Waller is going to see an increase in targets? Or is it still going to be spread out to where there's not enough relevance for any particular target to see it? Or is there somebody in this offense that's going to end up? It's, uh, it's Waller, the, the, Renfro, the thing is, Brian Edwards. Get, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing is that Ruggs, I just don't think, saw as many targets as people think that he did. Right. Um like he, yeah, he made a lot of impact plays. And if you're watching NFL Red Zone, his his targets to catches that appeared on NFL Red Zone ratio was among the highest in the league. But he only had 14.8 percent of the targets. So like that's that's actually not, you know, he was the wide receiver one in this offense. But they really don't have a wide receiver one in this offense because it's spread out. Waller's really the wide receiver one. So uh, yeah, I think Renfro maybe sees a slight increase. I mean, Edwards might see a slight increase, but Edwards is already leading this team in routes. Like, he, he was actually, like, in terms of just deployment, he was the wide receiver one on this team. It's just amounted to about 11% of the targets. I don't know, maybe that gets up to 13. Uh, I don't think it's going to all of a sudden come up to, like, 20% or anything. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll stick Zay Jones out there. They, they might make a play for Deshaun Jackson. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me oh. if they made a play for Odell Beckham if he's released. Um, and, and certainly, you know, if, if you bring in like OBJ, I, I think he'll command a lot more targets than Ruggs did. And then it just gets kind of worse for everybody. If it's Deshaun Jackson, well, I don't know, maybe he gets like Willie though, Willie though, because he's, he, uh, so I actually I mean, have, he's a have more than a 15% target share. I don't, I wouldn't give him more than a 15% target share, but that's, uh, Odell give. Beckham is Why actually the... being earned, Shane. Uh, he hasn't earned shit from what I've seen the last four years. But So Odell Beckham actually is up on my Odell. list. But I do want to talk about Zay Jones real quick because you brought Why? up that Henry, uh, Henry Ruggs. <laughs> actually, uh, Henry Ruggs did see a 14% target share, and that's what Zay Jones has seen on the snaps that he plays or on the routes run is right around 14%. That's some loose math that I was doing while I was yeah. walking my dog. But let's talk about Odell because – you know, I had the Raiders as a potential landing spot post-cut, and he's probably that's probably my favorite spot for him overall. Um, I, I was a big 
like fan of of the Colts possibly signing him. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, trading well, we for him. Well, the Colts now, don't have a fucking season anymore because Wentz threw to the triple coverage instead of throwing to his best player with no one in 20 yards of him because he's a fucking dolt head. Yeah, now it's a little bit late for that. My I think God, I'm past so... that point. Fuck Carson Wentz. But... Hey, Jacob, look, I, I just want to tell you, look, I, I feel like, you know, you're, you're kind of like my younger brother, probably closer to son. But I feel Junior. like... Yeah, I feel like it's the third. I feel like it was good that I got to pass my Carson Wentz experiences directly to you. Where, you know, like he has those games where you go, I think he's a top five quarterback, right? He had at least one of those games where you're like, this dude is just insanely good. Like, I don't know why everyone hates him. And then he has the last two weeks where, not even the last two full weeks. It was just the last quarter and overtime in the one week, one week, and then... Uh, the full well, game he, averaged, he, he averaged less yards per passing attempt than Jonathan Taylor averaged per carry against the Titans. That's not good. I, I'm not a math whiz, but not good. <laughs> he averaged four and a half yards per attempt against yeah, the but Titans. This is, so this is what Carson Wentz exactly does. the 85 Bears, <laughs> the who? Titans. I forget who was it. Oh, it was Teddy Bruschi, right, who I generally yeah. don't like. But he was spot on with his – he talked about before the game – Look, Carson Wentz, there's like four to five passes a game where you just know you can pick him off. Like he's going to do something stupid and something Honestly, that you go, what? Yeah. And, he's never, and that's never changed. And what's funny about it is when he's a rookie, he's a gunslinger. You hope he grows out of it. You're like, oh, that's good. It's got moxie. He's willing to take risks. Dude, you're like in year eight. Like stop. These aren't risks. Like these are just bad, poor percentage plays. What are you doing, dumbass? Anyway, yeah, sorry. He, no, like I – the Wentz thing, like, I'm sorry, this show's getting derailed, but I, I just yeah. I got a rant about this game. I mean, this game was so heartbreaking. Uh, I was watching this with my buddy. We were rooting for the Colts together. I mean, this this game was our season, right? So if you win this game, you're only one game out of the division. You know, you, you recover from 0-3, start everything with Gucci. You lose this game, all of a sudden, you know, you're really in a tough spot. Uh, and just such a tilting experience. I mean, they're up 14 nothing. First of all, there was one play where Taekwon Lewis, uh, who's, who's a defensive end, picked off Tannehill. He starts running, and like, look, if you're if you're just if you weigh over 250 pounds and you have an interception, if you play defensive line and you have an interception, you need to fall down. You are not a ball carrier, okay? He decided to be a ball carrier, and then he fumbled with no one touching him. He just fumbled of his own free will, and then the Titans cut the ball back after the pick. A.J. Brown scored a 60-yard touchdown on the next play to tie the game. It was so aggravating. And then you get, I mean, the Wentz one in the end zone was, like, almost excusable because if he yeah. take, if he gets sacked there, it's a safety, and if, the game's probably over anyway. But if the he one in overtime. If, yeah, but the, the one in the end zone, if it doesn't look so bad, right? But that's but it always looks bad it. with Wentz. That's the thing. Yeah. Like I, I tweeted this yeah. with Wentz during the Niners game. It's like you know, ninety-five percent of the plays this year, he's actually been good. But the five percent that he's not good are the worst five percent of like anyone on the earth. Like he just looks like he's never played football before, okay. and you get this overtime one. I mean. Oh my goodness! I'm watching with my buddy, and he's like just much of a big Jonathan Taylor fan as I am. To the ex- and the extent that like he even roots for the Colts, just out of like a love for Jonathan Taylor. And we watch him leak out. The Titans drop all three linebackers. They, they're playing in a four-three. They drop three linebackers back 15, 20 yards from the line of scrimmage. You should check out the dots uh, from it. Bill Barnwell tweeted out. 
So the only players within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage are the four D linemen that are rushing Wentz. There's nobody else the first 20 yards. You have Taylor just leaks out, runs a little curl. There's no one within 15 yards of him. And Wentz is like, nope, triple coverage for me. And just hurls it to Devin and triple coverage. I, I was like just screaming at the television. I, I like, yeah, I, I just like sat there in the couch. I didn't speak. I was just like crying a little bit. It was just, it's just so hard to watch, to watch Carson sometimes, man. It's like you think he knows better, but he really doesn't. And so, yeah, Facebook user, we'll, we'll get to this trade question. Let's, I'm let's sorry. get to his question. First of all, that was an awful trade 2022 second and game welfare first. Kick that's, the first. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those classic, like, you talk about tra- making trades like that. So this is don't Jamie. Think they're possible. I got such a, I got such a steal. For Gainwell, and now it's not much of a steal anymore because I one of the pieces I got was rugs. But uh, I, I like the the morning of the trade, I, I was able to move Gainwell for or the morning of the game. Like I, I had one Gainwell share, I was able to move him for rugs in a second. And I mean, I'm still actually fine with it because I'd rather have a second. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd much rather have a this, second. So you're fine with that. This is Jamie in the chat, right? This actually happened in our league that we're all in together. Mm. And I traded. Wait, Wait. I'm, am I in this league? I stopped checking yes. that league after after I lost like nine different players to IR. Oh, yeah, I don't, like three I don't pay 13. attention to that league. There's no money involved. I don't care. I mean, hey, there's going to be a trophy, okay? There's going to be a trophy. All right, so third or fourth <laughs> place. in 2024, obviously. I'm, I'm in like third or fourth place, I think. And I traded away a 2021 first. Oh, that's awful. For Gainwell and a 2022 second. I'm that's a just, you have way too many Chase. future picks. I need you to lose some picks. That's Chase, kind of glad Chase, that you suck I, on you. Look, my, my you, you do realize well. I have six first round picks okay, and I'm well, trading they, away my own. But I know. Well, that's why I'm glad we finally it, got rid of one. Because you and were this draft is terrible. It doesn't matter. If that's no, the it's not 112, terrible. it's not it's terrible. Still a first. It is terrible. It's still a first round pick. That was an awful trade. You shouldn't have made it. I'm ashamed that you made that. I will do it every single time. Okay, well, then send me some offers for running backs in the league. That are yeah, kind I'll of give you Octavius well. Murray. At least he starts. I don't. I don't like what. Dude, get out of here with that. All right. I'm still pissed off about that. I'm typing up Gainwell in my article, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm still pissed at the way that the Nick Sirianni had handled that. Okay, I don't okay. even care about so, this league, and now guys, you're forcing me to go on and look at it and and make a trade to you because guys, I can't believe you did that. That is awful. Real quick, <laughs> let's move on from this. Okay, I need to move on to talk about Derrick Henry, right? Because Derrick Henry. Uh, you know, he's one of these running backs where people are confused whether they need to drop him or if they want to hold on to him. And, you know, for, for redraft leagues, I, I was talking to Edwin Porras about this and I actually listened to his podcast earlier. Uh, you know, he's like, dude, I don't understand how you could keep him because the majority of players that came back before the nine games or maybe it was 10 games, 28% of them got re-injured uh, to the same exact spot in their foot and they were out for pretty much like almost an entire year after that. Meanwhile, the players that didn't get hurt saw a reduction in production of over 60% well, in those games. that's a great phrase, reduction in production. Yeah. So, yeah, he, they saw reduced production for, it was like 58% in the games they played up until they got past the 10-game you know mark. So let's just hypothetically say that he comes back in eight games. He gives you two weeks of terrible output and he stays healthy, but he gives you, you know, suboptimal output. We're talking about a guy who, you know, 10 points per game, you're starting him out there and this is your fantasy playoffs. Essentially. 
I don't feel comfortable with that. I'd rather just drop Gainwell. And, I mean, I'm sorry. I'd rather just drop Derrick Henry well, and move on from you there. You were right about dropping Gainwell. Yeah, I would drop Gainwell right before move. I would drop Henry. Um, I'll, I'll say this, right? So in 97% of the cases, you'd be correct, right? Um, but with Derrick Henry, I am not willing to bet against him in anything. Um I'd hold on to him. I mean, unless I'm absolutely, I have to drop him. I'm holding on to him because if there's one human being that I think, and I don't think it's a high percentage, but I think could come back at some point this year somehow and drop 200 yards on one foot, Derrick Henry would be that human being. And I'm not saying it's likely, but he's one of the few human beings that it's even possible with. And now if it was any other running back, like if it's, uh, or Christian McCaffrey, Squam Barkley, Dalvin Cook, maybe I'd hold on to them. Um, but, you know, if it was a Miles Sanders, see you next year. Um, to if be it's, fair, you should just drop Miles Sanders anyway. It's easier for your mental health. If it's CEH, so. no, I'm good. If it's <laughs> David Montgomery, I'm good. But Derrick Henry is a, just a different type of human being. Yeah, I, yeah, I would, is. I'd probably try to keep Henry, but it, it all comes down to like how many – IR spots do you have? How many bench spots do mm-hmm. you have? Like, what's the alternative? Like, if it's a super shallow league, if you have like five bench spots and no IR, like, yeah, I'm probably dropping them. Um, you know, if, if you have a couple IR spots plus six, seven, eight bench spots, like, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to do that. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I definitely like to keep Henry if possible. The issue is, it's just there's such a small window of where it makes any sense for them to play him. Yeah. Uh, Basically, like, like realistically, like they, they beat the Colts this week, so they're they're going to win the division with or without Henry, barring a collapse from the Titans entirely. And I don't think they're going to entirely collapse. And so, if they're already assured of a playoff spot, like why would you rush Henry back mm-hmm. unnecessarily? Like you're going to want to preserve him. You're just going to want to keep him there and then bring him back for the actual playoffs, not our fantasy playoffs. So to me, like it, it's just it's such a small window of opportunity, especially when there's only one buy available. Where, you know, they're really going to be like, man, we really need this week 16 win. We need this week 17 win. Like, they're, they're probably, it's probably not going to be that meaningful of a game to them. It's probably going to be the difference between like three seed, the four seed. Who really cares? So, and know. you still have to make the fantasy playoffs at that point in order for him to matter. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about like week 15, 16, 17. I mean, mainly 16, 17. You're already passing up one round of the playoffs at that point in most leagues. I, I just don't love it. Like you're going to end up having to make the the fantasy playoffs in, in the finals possibly in order to see any kind of production out of them. That's I, fine. But if, if you can afford to roster him, fine, hold it, you know, hold on to him. If you can't, then don't. I, mean, I trade him for Kenny simple. Gainwell. I would not trade him for Kenny Gainwell. I <laughs> yeah, can get Kenny Gainwell off the. I'd rather have a roster spot than Kenny Gainwell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can still get... I'm holding out hope for one. More I, week, I think guys. I would rather have the second defense. I could get oh. well. The second defense is huge. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you know how bad it is when you have to drop that defense that you really like because you know, oh, they're on by. <laughs> anyway, come on, guys, we got to get moving. It's already nine thirty-two. We're gonna knock out a couple of these positions. Are you kidding me? You've been talking most of the damn time. All right, we're so, gonna knock out these positions. Quarterback. Let's I, tell no, everyone the game. Wait, 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 wait. Because I want to sit here. I want to explore Julio. Do you Jones. have like social activities tonight, Shane? No. All right, so Julio Jones. <laughs> Julio Jones, is he going to be more relevant if he's actually healthy at some point this season? How are we feeling about Julio Jones? Yes. You know, are, is he worth investing in? Is he worth trading for? Or are we just, you know, is he going to be the same player we've seen throughout the start of the season? I uh, mean, if he's ever healthy, sure. But I, I just, I don't know. It, the, 
I'm like king of the I don't care about injuries. First of all, Tom, that's not true. You know that's not true. He was great in 2018 before he got he, hurt. He by the way, everybody's listening to the podcast. He's talking about OBJ. Yeah, so Tom says the same thing that I'm, I'm pretty sure it's been copy and pasted off Twitter more than like the Carson Wentz is like all the stats and they used to do the thing like what the Philly Twitter used to do and they would just reply to everything. So no, Tom, he wasn't wide receiver 15. Look at the points per game. He was great in 2018 until he got hurt. He was a wide receiver one. Then in 2019, okay, he was a wide receiver three. He was like wide receiver 26 or something. And 2020 in points per game, he was a mid wide receiver two last year. So he's fine. Get him. Honestly, put him on the freaking Saints with Taysom Hill. He'll be a wide receiver one. Wait, 12.4 points a game last year. That's a mid wide receiver two last year. Well, if you count the game that he played like two snaps, sure. I well, I'm just saying. I mean, personally, I don't count the game that he tore his ACL off of Baker's shitty interception. Well, that's an excuse. I mean, if you're going to make excuses for the guy, so last year, just you know, when he balled out, he had one, two, three games um, before tearing his knee. I'm just he saying, he hasn't been good. He hasn't been he great any year. Three games with nine point nine or fewer fantasy points. Um, his his Halcyon week was the thirty eight point four, and we all came all over ourselves because we were like Odell's back. Um, and he followed that up with 11.4 and then 4.5. Like, I, look, trust me, I, I was a big Odell guy. Uh, he was at one point the uh, dynasty uh, asset, number one asset. Uh, he just was um, before I truly understood Superflex. Um, but still, he was the overall uh, one asset, but he is not there now. He's not there. And yes, Thomas Tipple, I am trying to get Bateman from you live on air. And I also made good, a good luck getting it from Tom. I also made an offer to Chase that involves one of the players that I offered to you. So one of you needs to accept it anyway. Do I get an offer? I don't think I have anyone that you want. Back to Julio. Is Julio going to be a thing? No. Uh, No, Probably not. I'm I'm, I'm always the guy who's buying these injured players. So if anyone of you would be into Julio, you'd think it'd be me. I mean, I was like, I was the clown buying Michael Thomas all summer and and I've been buying OBJ forever and I probably still will. And I mean, Will Fuller was on all my fucking rosters. I don't understand why he's missing two months of the broken finger. Anyway, um, (laughs) dude, I have have Will Fuller too. It's killing me. It's hurting my soul. Um, Anyway, yeah, like seriously, like it's a finger. What? Just get get out there, tape it. Anyway, um, Julio. My issue with Julio is that it's not like he's just sort of had, it's not like the, the Fuller situation, right? Where it's like he broke a finger, you know, he had a personal issue where it's all these different things. Not even like Saquon where he tore the ACL, then all of a sudden he rolled his ankle the same way. Now he has COVID, like where it's just like super frustrating. Like it's actually just really predictable. He has a hamstring injury that he's re-aggravated like 13 times. So I, I just like, like, no, but like last year, this year, he just keeps re-aggravating the same hamstring injury over and over and over again. So to me, like, I just, I don't really see it as like isolated injuries. It's, it's just, he's basically had a completely bum hamstring for two years. I really hope that he's valuable. I mean, here's where I'm at with Julio. A- any week that he comes in off of a full practice on Friday and he's healthy, I will play him in DFS because I think that he always has upside, but will I trust him to stay healthy for multiple weeks at a time and season long? Probably not. Like, am I, I yeah, I trade for him if I can get him for like totally free. I, I have a trade at 20, I'd probably maybe even trade a second round pick for him in Dynasty uh, if it's late, maybe. But it's just it's really hard to trust because it's the same injury over and over and over again. Yep. I'm I'm in agreement with you for the most part. If somebody offers me something decent, like at the back end of my roster, if somebody's desperate, maybe like a Zach Moss type player, you know, somebody that I'm I'm 
a running back that I'm holding on the back end of my roster, tight end maybe that maybe I have two, which I normally don't. I normally stream tight ends. Maybe I have two just because I hit on like Tyler Conklin and somebody else. I, I might move one of those guys for like Julio just for the people that are nervous. But outside yeah, of that, sure. uh, his health is a major, major concern. And also knowing when you when you feel good starting him. Now, I know that Tannehill is going to pass more often without Derrick Henry, but yeah, I, I don't love that that situation over there for, for Julio. Do you have anything to add, Shane? No, you, you guys hit it on the head. The All Henry right. thing, do you think they actually will pass more? Like, I'm this is this is like where where I'm this is what I'm wondering with Henry. So I I've had this take for a while that's like kind of it's like I've always said it's my worst take that I think the Titans offense could be better without Henry, which what? Uh, obviously uh yeah, but I mean okay, it's not it's not as though like I think that Henry's bad. Obviously Henry's like the best running back in the NFL. I just you look at the plays that they run when they have Henry, and seventy five percent of them are just wasted downs. Like they just they come out in this absurdly archaic set from nineteen fifty two, and they just ram them up the middle for two yards, and it's totally purposeless. I look if they just ran a modern offense with Henry, that's the ideal scenario. My hope is they waste less plays and they try to actually play functional football without Henry. But it's it's kind of this whole like guessing game situation where part of the reason why Henry's so valuable is because the defense you know, they really gear up to stop them. And so they get so many passing plays off against eight-man boxes. I mean, A.J. Brown's yards per route run against eight-man boxes is like over four. It's it's insane uh, how effective they are in those situations. You know, will the defenses still treat them that way without Henry? Probably not. I, I certainly wouldn't. But then the other thing is, like, will the Titans actually adjust to their new reality? Like, I think that they, they run an offense that I don't even think is optimized with Henry, but it's absolutely not optimized – without Henry. And if they run that same offense with Adrian Peterson and Jeremy McNichols, it's going to be a disaster. Uh, like I'm, I'm hopeful that they'll actually embrace the forward pass now, but we'll see it. Vrabel's going to Vrabel. Like it wouldn't, would it truly shock anyone if they just show up on Sunday night and they run Adrian Peterson 22 times out of the I formation. Cause if they do that won't end well for them. No, I, that, I could see that happening, but I can also see them being in a bunch of third and longs and dumping off to uh, Jeremy McNichols. So yeah, I, I, Think like I, I need to look this up because I don't know what the touchdown rate is, but I'm pretty sure that the Tennessee Titans touchdown rate is like astronomical, like not only in in passing but in rushing as well. So I would like to see the the touchdown rate. I just tried to look it up real quick and I couldn't couldn't find it in like two seconds. But I, I know that it's through the roof in, in passing. I'm pretty sure it's still high up there for for rushing rate. So I mean, as long as you're scoring touchdowns, that's all you want for an offense. The only thing is, like, they score too fast, and then <laughs> they're not giving their defense time to, to breathe on the other end. But it's, like, that's the only way that I could see it being counterproductive is, like, if, if your defense can't keep up then towards the tail end of games, you might not be able to score in, like, the last three drives or whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, your opponent is able to score because your defense is so worn down by that point. But uh, I could see what you're saying without him being on there now. If they try to run the same offense, it's going to be – essentially almost counterproductive because like Shane brought up, you're going to be in a lot of third and long situations and yeah, they could jump it off to make Nichols, but he's not going to bring it to the house like Derrick Henry would on a, you know, a stretch run play on second. So yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and that pretty much kind of answers the Tannehill outlook. So let's go ahead and dive into another quarterback talking about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what are your thoughts? Are we excited about Jordan Love, you know, getting to see him? Obviously not for fantasy maybe, but, you know, might give us a little bit of insight of what's come for the Packers and and possibly give us a little bit of insight to their weapons as to whether Jordan Love can be successful or not, seeing some legitimate snaps in the season. 
No, it, it's good that we'll get to see Jordan Love on the field. Um, I don't know if Adams is going to play. Um, it'd be nice if he was because I would like I to see him. Probably be cleared. Yeah, I, I would like to see him with you know a modicum of uh, weapons out there, and Adams and Aaron Jones is sufficient enough. Like they're so elite at their specific positions that I can consider that a good offense. So it's, it'd be interesting to see him with a good offense. Like, I hope he's not out there with like just Alan Lazard, MVS, Equinomius, St. Brown and Malik Taylor. Was it Malik Taylor? Uh, um, yeah. Malik Taylor was, the was the guy that he was targeting. Yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Malik Taylor. It was, some, it was J- no, that's, that's no. Anton Wesley no. was the Cardinals yeah. guy. It was Jared. It was One three. Wesley no. was no, Malik three. Taylor. Winfrey. No, it Winfrey. was Winfrey. Okay. Yeah, Winfree so- was this past week. Uh Win or Taylor was in week one, is who Jordan uh, love targeted the most in week one. Oh, okay. Yeah, but this past week was was, was Winfrey character. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Winfrey. I, I mean, if if Adams doesn't play, does Jordan Love see over or under, you know, twenty attempts, thirty attempts? Yes, because they'll lose and so they'll have to pass. <laughs> Is yeah, that guaranteed yeah. with all the turnovers that Patrick Holmes is throwing over there? Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, Patrick Holmes is throwing. Okay, so Pat, I mean, he's not playing well, but he's also I've never seen anyone run as bad as Patrick Mahomes is running. Like, he, he's had multiple interceptions deflect off of Tyreek Hill's hands yeah, on perfectly yeah. thrown passes. This last one was like the throw was off by maybe a half a foot, but I mean, it doinked off Jarek McKinnon's helmet <laughs> into somebody's <laughs> hand. Like these interceptions are just. Absurd the way that they're happening. He, he's having some serious regression. Serious <laughs> regression that I mean. Like my dude was all danger plays, just like whatever. Oh, YOLO behind the back, no look, fucking across my body pass. And it's just a strike down the field. And then this year, it's like just a simple like slant. And yeah, like you said, it's just bouncing off someone's face and getting picked <laughs> off. Like God hates him this year. Um I don't it remember what the, me of the, was, the replacements. But... Remind me of the replacements where he just takes it and launches it right into the defender's <laughs> helmet, just shoots straight up in the air, and then the, the big guy scores a touchdown. We're talking about uh, we, we're talking about Jordan Love and, and seeing opportunities to pass. Shane, like, do you think he's going to pass a ton in this game? I think he's going to. I mean, again, is Adams playing? Because um, if Adams is playing, I think the coaches would go, "Hey, um, what you want to do is um, <laughs> you see that Devontae Adams fella always open." That Aaron Jones fella, that Aaron Jones guy out of the backfield, when that Devontae Adams fella isn't open for some reason, or you believe him not to be open, you throw it to that Aaron Jones fella. And then we have a good game. Um, yeah, and so those Lazard, two, you're out there to block. Yeah. If you don't think those two are open, like you were absolutely certain of it, then just run, dude. Run for your fucking life. So I, I think I think he'll be okay because I think. Look, he's he sat on the bench long enough, and he's not. I don't believe he's a stupid kid, right? He went to college. He's smart enough to go, "Hey, that Devontae Adams guy, pretty good. I'm gonna throw the ball his way." Yeah, I, I think that. I think if they have Adams, that that changes everything. Like you, you know, you're talking about the best wide receiver in in the entire planet of Earth, um, or the worst wide receiver room. I don't know what's worse, the Packers wide receiver room without Adams, or the Saints wide receiver room. Oh, the like same terrible, right? yeah. yeah, Traquan Smith is wow. Um, <laughs> geez, dude, like he's lucky Jameis got hurt because if he didn't, Jameis would have wound up just beating his ass on the sidelines in another <laughs> yeah. two weeks if he continued fucking up. I mean, well, um, Kevin White was the lead wide receiver for the Saints last year. Yeah, oh, God, that's that crazy. Kevin White. 
So real quick, Facebook user, I will get into it once we actually dive into this sec next segment that we're about to talk about. Uh, do we have any other takes on this Aaron Rodgers conundrum? No, that's, don't oh, it's hilarious. Clay. Don't eat clay, <laughs> That's kids. my take. <laughs> my take is that it's really funny. Um, I mean, <laughs> the dude's been actively <laughs> lying. He's kept up this ruse where he was like, I've been immunized. Um, because he was doing his like own... Uh, you know, homeopathic, bizarre world treatment. I mean, it's, it's, I find it pretty hilarious. I mean, I don't find it hilarious if he actually gets really sick off COVID. Obviously, that would be terrible. I'm not, I'm not rooting for that whatsoever. But under, you know, my hope is that he ends up just fine and he plays in a couple of weeks and that we all remember that Aaron Rodgers is a massive weirdo. I just hope he gets the poos from eating clay. That's really all I hope. <laughs> I think he's just a smarter version of Cole Beasley, to be honest. But hasn't he yes. been following? So hasn't he's he, a rock. Yes. So hasn't he been following the, the protocol? Like, hasn't he been doing all the things that somebody that, that doesn't take the vaccine? Like, Well, yes and he's no. Doing? He's been apparently doing it in the facility, but not wearing masks. Like, in the second preseason game, he wasn't wearing a mask. If you're not vaccinated, you should be wearing a mask when you're not active. He's been doing all these press conferences maskless. Uh, and, I, yeah. and I know that that's something you can't do if you're not vaxxed. Because Brandon Ayuk has been doing these masked press conferences so everyone realized he wasn't vaccinated. That's why they people thought Kyle Shanahan hated him. Um, so I, I think, like, I, I don't know what, what Rodgers is uh, is up to, but, I mean, that's a legitimate risk. If you have Aaron Rodgers, like, I, I think he's at some form of risk of being suspended for dodging these protocols, too. I, I would I would make sure to have a backup plan. Yeah, and that could be Jordan Love. So yeah, it's absolutely keep it Jordan on him, Love. especially up against the Chiefs. Now, so let's go ahead and hop into this, guys. We have our top 20 what is this running backs and wide receivers, right? Uh, we cannot pick any one of those. Not and then anybody inside the top 15 for the quarterback or tight end position, we can't pick any of those guys. We have to pick players that we think are going to finish inside the top 12. So last week, like you ended up going with the dose score for Michael Carter hit that. I went with Michael Pittman for the wide receiver hit on that. And then we had Dan Arnold from, from Jacob again. Uh, he was the tight end too. hit on that. So we're going to try and find players that are not inside that top 20 who have a, a chance to finish inside the top 12. And do you want to kick this one off since we were just talking about it, Jacob? Absolutely. I mean, look, I'm a Jordan Love truther from way back in the pre-draft process. Uh, a take that I had that was not very good was that I had him as my QB3 in the class ahead of Justin Herbert. That obviously is aged very poorly. Mm -hmm. uh, Justin Herbert is the QB1 in the class. However, my candle for Jordan Love burns as bright as ever. I'm hopeful that Devontae Adams will play, and if he does, Jordan Love gets to go up against the worst defense in the National Football League, uh, and I expect him to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns because he's awesome. And he's going to prove why he's the future of the Green Bay Packers franchise without the creepy anti-vaxxer deadhead Aaron Rodgers. All right. I'm going to take the, the easy one. Well, I, it wasn't so easy because we don't know if he's going to pass concussion protocol. I don't think he has yet, but Taysom No, he's, he's going he's gonna to play, but 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 uh, it might be Trevor Simeon that gets the starting nod. Really? Okay, I didn't catch up with that. I yeah, I, I, I saw one, an interesting so. video from Nick Underhill, who's the most plugged-in Saints supporter you can find. And he, he was at practice today. He said that Taysom looks healthy. He's, everything's on, on track for him to return and be healthy. But he said that the, the starting quarterback decision, we'll, we probably won't know until game time because Peyton keeps everything under wraps. Uh, but that he said it might not go the way we think. Why would that be the case over there? Because I mean, I, I this, is, this is a guy that almost won the starting job. 
you know, a lot of people thought that he should have won the starting job until Jameis Winston goes out in like the, the third preseason game and throws two bombs to Marcus Callaway, right? So Yeah, which, where did that play go, by the way? Dude, I have no idea. That only happened <laughs> up against Washington, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, no, I, I think the Taysom Hill should end up seizing the starting I role. Agree. Hopefully he does. Uh, you know, there's not too many other guys outside the, the top 15 that I wanted to play with. I mean, I was kind of uh, tilting with, with Justin Fields a little bit up against Pittsburgh because you can't run against uh, Pittsburgh. But then I saw that you actually cannot run up against Pittsburgh, and that includes quarterbacks as well. Mm. So I faded that one. Um, Shane, where are you sitting with this? I don't like any of this. <laughs> That's why I just stuck with Taysom Hill. I'm not, I mean, I agree with Taysom. If he starts, he's top five potential. I'm just going to chase the points and go with fucking Mike White. I, I honestly went with Mike White <laughs> over just, Taysom Hill because it would have made me feel, feel safer. I'm just chasing the points. And um, Indianapolis gives up points to the fantasy, uh, to the quarterback position. So, fuck it. Look, it's ugly after the top 12 this week, top 15. It is not a pretty sight out there. Hey, they also give up points to the pass catching running backs. How actually... bad is Mike is Zach Wilson, by the way, that Mike White is just well, so clearly the best quarterback mm, on the chat. So Mike White is is at least smart enough to understand that my only option in this offense is twenty attempts to my running backs. Um Wilson is young and brave and is like, No, 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 we're gonna make a play. We're gonna yep. make something happen, guys. And his wide receivers are like, No. That is incorrect. We are not going to make a play. We are going to just get no separation and good luck, kid. Um, where's Mike White? Like I said, Mike White's just like uh, Ty Johnson and Michael Carter. Michael Carter, Michael Carter, Ty Johnson, Michael Carter, Michael Carter. So there you go. Hey, yeah. Denzel Mims finally ran a bunch of routes. Led the team in routes. He had a 6% target share, but he ran a lot of routes. And he dropped a touchdown, but he ran a lot of routes. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's not going to see those targets from, from Mike White. Mike Wright is going towards the running backs. And the Colts actually have a really poor dose score. So it's kind of interesting, right? We're about to hop in the running back position. So I'll, I'll start with my guy. But first, I'm going to explain the dose score. Uh, it takes the pass catching running backs the teams have played, uh, grades them out, and then you come out with a score where it shows the fantasy points that they've allowed versus the running backs. And the Colts, they haven't played any pass catching running backs, like barely at all. I think Miles Gaskin was like the only one Are that you- – not counting Derrick Henry? <laughs> I, I did count Derrick Henry and Jerry McDougal's in this one, but neither one of them really saw many opportunities. They saw a total of five targets in that those games. Uh, you know, we, we look at the Seahawks. They don't really use their pass-catching running backs. That was week one when they didn't pass those guys. Uh, the Rams, they don't use pass-catching running backs. The Titans, uh, Ravens, the Texans, the 49ers, the Titans once again. I mean, the only team that they played that uses a pass-catching running back is Miles Gaskin, and he was he barely even played that game. I don't even know what happened, but yet they're still giving yeah, up seven points Malcolm per game. Brown was the guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the Colts are third up against running backs when it comes to like you know overall and on the ground. They're probably the best team up against the running back. They're probably the best uh, rushing defense. So it, it's kind of strange that that not more teams have used pass catching running backs on these guys. However, they still are giving up. Uh, right around 6.9 fantasy points to the position in the air to pass catching running backs. So I think that Michael Carter is going to have a massive game. Uh, I think that he's going to be the the real test for the Colts to see if they're actually good up against the running backs as a whole 
or not. And I think Michael Michael Carter will will smash and give you like 15 points in the air. I think he'll get targets. I just don't think we're going to see the big plays that that him and Johnson got against Cincinnati. Darius Leonard is just rallies to the ball way too fast to allow them to average like 10 yards a catch like Cincinnati was putting uh, together. But I think they're going to get targets and they'll be fine. All right, so I'm going to start with my running back, and it's actually going to be on the other side of this ball because the Jets are horrific up against pass-catching running backs. Uh, Naeem Hines, which you know me. I'm not a big Naeem Hines guy. I like Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, I think, is the dude. I've literally shit on Naeem Hines, but this just feels like a Naeem Hines game. Now, it makes me a little bit nervous because the past three out of four games, he hasn't even qualified as a (laughs) pass-catching back because he's ran less than 10 routes. This past week, I believe he ran like 16 and the Jets are giving up 17 points per game to the position, and they're actually worse than the Seahawks were last year up against pass-catching running backs. I think Naeem Hines is in a prime position to smash up against the Jets. And if if the Colts go up, even if they go up, I think that Naeem Hines will still see touches because I don't think they're going to run Jonathan Taylor into the ground in a game that they should, they should be up in. Uh, no, I, I think, uh, Jonathan Taylor is just going to absolutely destroy them. I think the Colts coaching staff has realized that, oh, Jonathan Taylor, John Taylor yeah. is kind of special. I, I was listening. Who was I listening to? I think it was JJ Zacharyson and he talked about John Taylor had a 94% rush share last week, which is just <laughs> ridiculous. Um, I think they played, played a season high in snaps too. Yeah. Season I high think in routes. they've rightly realized. Oh, Naheem Hines is kind of ass. I wish that um, they realized that before they gave him $18 million. Well, look, it's not always important that you're right first, but you know, <laughs> just recognizing the, at some point your mistakes. And I think the Marlon Mack experience now that they can't trade him is uh, over. So, God, I, I, so. I, I just think we'll see a ton of John Taylor. Like, I, I understand your reasoning for uh, Naheem Hines. I just think it's going to be Jonathan Taylor that absorbs all that work like one of those you know like when uh, uh there's twins twi- twins in the fetus and the one twin eats the other one that's kind of like what jonathan taylor's doing the naheem's uh so, work and and i agree with you and this is the case with like Jaden mckissick right uh last year and then we saw the same games happen with chase edmonds right but this is the point of the whole dose score right you guys can find it at fantasyintervention.com slash dose it's when to figure out when to play these running backs and i i truly think that this is one of those weeks it just has, you know, it written all over it. And like I said, I don't like Naeem Hines. The the recency bias should tell me that I should not like Naeem Hines this week, but the dose score is telling me something different. I've got to go with the dose score on this one. I, I like it. I'm, I'll tell you what. Like, I, I'm going to play Thursday Night Showdown this week, and I'm going to play Hines in a bunch of lineups just solely out of deference to the dose score uh, because no one's going to play Hines because his role has been non-existent for three straight weeks. Yes, but I mean, yeah. we saw it with Brandon Bolden. Brandon Bolden has done nothing any week except for the week that they played the Jets, and then he turned into an RB one. So may- maybe, maybe the Doe score is just enough signal to lull Naheem Hines out of out of the pit of despair for one week, one week only. That's enough for me to trust him in a showdown lineup. Hey, and James White went off against the Jets. I mean, we just see these running backs like time and time again, just just destroy them. I mean, Jerry McNichols saw 12 targets, had eight receptions for 74 yards. And you thought that's a game, you know, Derrick Henry should destroy, right? Like this is the perfect example of it. You have Derrick Henry, who still ended up doing well, I believe, in that game. Yeah, he crushed it. He had 157 yards and a touchdown. Jonathan Taylor can still do that while Jerry McNichols still sees eight receptions on 12 targets, that could be the role for Hines for 74 yards, by well, the way. That's speaking, a 15.4% out team. 
Speaking of Jeremy Nichols, that's my running back pick this week. Also, bottom five in the dose score are the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday Night Football. Now, I think Adrian Peterson works his way into probably being their lead back on the early downs, but probably not this week. I think for at least one week and one week only, Jeremy Nichols gets an opportunity to show why he should be, I mean, certainly not a full-on replacement for Derrick Henry, but the clear lead back in all phases while Peterson gets up to speed. You'd also expect them to face negative game script against the Rams this week, uh, especially as they try to adjust to life without the big dog. And I expect the little dog, Jeremy McNichols, to catch six, seven passes in this spot, get six, seven carries in the spot. We don't know exactly how they're going to align their goal line work. He might be able to get a touchdown. So give me Jeremy McNichols. All right, so I'm jumping on the site, and I'm not uh, I'm not quick enough um, in many aspects of my life. So I don't see the dose score for Houston. Um, I maybe. have the – oh, they're actually at the top of the list. They're second overall because – Yeah. Yeah, their linebackers are actually good, and uh, they uh, they don't need to pass up against them, or you don't need to pass against them. Hmm. Well, so I was leaning towards Miles Gaskin. Um, now that hearing that, I'm a little less bullish on him. So Doesn't let matter me just, because their their pass down running back is Patrick Laird, so you don't even need to worry about it. That's just ridiculous. What is wrong with you, Miami? Patrick Laird, <laughs> stop it. Um, so then, top twenty fifteen for so outside the top twenty. Well, it doesn't matter because Miles Gaskins was inside the top twenty anyway. Um, <laughs> That's the top 20. How bad is the top 20? I am going to go with, um, boy, uh, it's really, it's, it's hard in the streets. You guys took some really good ones. I'm going to go ahead and take Zachariah Moss. Um, well, that's a great one. He's outside the top 20. Yeah. 21. Oh, that's awesome. I like Zach Moss. Jacksonville is bad in every facet of the game. I don't know what their dose score is. Um, <laughs> I do not know, need to do it through the air against Jacksonville. Yeah, it that's, ground. that's what I was going to say. It doesn't matter because he's going to fucking smash them in the face on the ground. <laughs> um, and he gets the red zone work. So we might see a Zach Moss two touchdown day where I yell at the TV and say that Devin Singletary could do that too if you would just give him the chance. Are you a Singletary guy? I don't want to talk about it, but oh I will go with Zachary Moss. This I'm Singletary over Zach Moss. Oh, I'm yeah. such a Zach Moss guy, and this is awesome. Uh, we're we're blasting balls all over the place this week with Zach Moss. Uh, he's he's taken over this backfield. He was over 73% snaps a few weeks ago. Came down to 55. Off, back up over 60 this week. He got he got this last week 100% of the two minute drill and long down and distance pass game work. Pass game work yeah. plus the goal line work. Singletary gets about half the meaningless first and second down carries between the twenties, which no one really cares about because neither of them are efficient on that anyway. I, I'm all in on Zach Moss. I, I didn't know he was outside the top twenty. I would have picked him, but uh, Zach Moss rules. Singletary drools. Oh god, you need touchdowns for Zach Moss. We'll yeah, see if he's he gonna get him, baby. They're gonna score like six touchdowns with the Jags. I mean, come on. Oh, man. And then Zach Moss is going to bust an A. All right, so let's go on to wide oh, receiver. Yeah. My, my 15% best ball exposure to Zach Moss. It's going to be love and love. All right, let's go on to uh, yeah, let's go on to wide receiver. We have Jerry Judy for myself. All right, this is tough because playing the Cowboys makes me nervous. We know that Diggs shuts down these big guys. You know, we, we talk wow. about matchups, right? Wow. No, he no, shuts no, down no. the big guys. No, no, we, I was going to say, we know Diggs gets interceptions, but we <laughs> also know that he gets baked several times a game. <laughs> 
not several times a game. It does not happen several times. It happens repeatedly multiple times. Okay. Either way, he's great up against big physical receivers, and he does not get baked by them. You know, we saw it happen with Mike Evans. I brought it up last year on multiple. He's good against wide receivers named Mike. Yeah, that's true too. Uh, However, you know, I thought that he was going to end up facing. Uh, Mike Williams, right? And I talked about it that week. I was like, Mike Williams is going to get shut down because this is where Diggs' strengths lie, right? You know, sometimes he struggles up against quick twitch receivers, so he most likely won't be on Keenan Allen. He goes up against Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen gets a ton of volume, ends up putting up a 100-yard day barely in, like, garbage time. But he pretty much got shut down by Diggs, and I'm afraid that Diggs might actually move over to cover Jerry Judy if Jerry Judy decides to play out the slot or whatever the case is. I like Jerry Judy. I think that he elevates the game for Bridgewater. Bridgewater is actually like top 10 in almost every single category you want for a quarterback. You talk about air yards, Yeah, but right? he's, not, he's, he's bottom 10, and do I want to watch them? I, I know, right? Well, that, that was Shane's point back a few weeks ago is how boring he was he was to watch. But every category Kinda that like you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every category that you want, he's actually like he excels in for a quarterback. Like, you know, money throws, like, you know, uh, deep passes, red zone attempts. He's, he's like top 10 in red zone attempts. However, he still doesn't perform at a high level because his receivers don't do anything after he gets the ball in their hands. They literally just fall down. It's like the Calvin Ridley, you know, ordeal where he just he can't do anything with the ball in his hands. And that's his whole entire receiving corp. So I see with Jerry Judy, if he can get the ball in his hands, we know he can make plays. We know that he can, you know, shake some defenders, get some yards up to the catch. I think I, I'm going to go with Jerry Judy on this one up against Jordan Lewis in the slot. Or Noah Brown. Husker. Are you on the show sheet, my man? Husker already stole my pick. And I saw Dave was already saying Rondale earlier, which you could say Rondale too. But Christian Kirk against the 49ers, that's my pick. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, hilarious. I mean, what a warrior. Kingsbury literally couldn't keep him off the field on Thursday night. He told Hopkins to sit down, and Hopkins would just walk onto the field. Uh, He would sneak out there with like a fake mustache and and a monocle. And he'd, he'd roll out in the field be like, yeah, Anton Wesley, you go take a seat, bud. I'm, I'm playing this down. And he's like, dude, get off the field. Tom, I don't need a nap, man. Come on. Come on. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about Christian Kirk here. I'm excited to talk about Christian Kirk. Uh, and then now you got A.J. Green. He's on the COVID list. I don't know if he's on the Rogers plan or if he's been vaccinated. But either way, you'd think it's unlikely that he plays this week. So you have no A.J. Green, possibly even no DeAndre Hopkins uh, against you know a 49ers team that – has been pretty bad and beaten up at the cornerback position this year. I mean, their pass defense made Justin Fields look good. Or maybe that was just Matt Nagy not being there. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think it's Matt Nagy. <laughs> One of the two. Uh, I, I have no uh, concerns. Obviously, the issue, the caveat would be if Kyler Murray does not play, then I don't want to play Christian Kirk. Too bad, Jerry. Uh, picked him. But, uh, but I already picked him. I'm locked in. Kyler said he thinks we're ready to go. So give me Christian Kirk in this one. A player who pretty much every time I put my faith in has disappointed me throughout my life. So I'm expecting about two catches. All right. Well, we're running long, so I don't know if I'll get the tight ends and no one cares about tight ends anyway. Um, Because basically you just throw a fork at the wall and see what sticks. No, I have an elite tight end this week. If if a chase tried to steal it on the show sheet, I won't let him. But wide receiver, (laughs) wide receiver. I'm going to go ahead and take my dude, Jalen Waddle. Um, Last three weeks, he's got a 26% target share. Um, for the, uh, what do you call those folks? The Miami people, um, since Tua came back. Um, he's got 32 targets over the last three games or something like that, uh, mid-30s. Um, 
Houston's defense, pass defense, doesn't look as bad as it is um, when you look at the fantasy points allowed. But that's mostly because they get absolutely smoked in the first half of most games. And then most teams are just like, we don't want to throw on you anymore. Can we just end this game? We will run the ball down your throat now Um, because they're bad at everything. Um, So I'm going to go with my boy Jalen Waddle because him and my my, my dude, Tua Talgo Velova. Oh, that was uh, really close. Damn it, I thought it was right. Um, they've they've been they've really meshed really well over these well really all year, but these past three weeks since Tua came back, he's just been you know targeting his dude Jalen. So that's where we're going. That's a great one at the tight end position. I'm taking Albert Okwebunu. No, um, like I, I had a thread ready to go the second that Albert that I saw Noah fan of the COVID list, and like I don't want to celebrate the great Noah fan having COVID nineteen. That's no joke. I, I wish nothing but the best for Noah fan. However, Albert, oh, baby. Look, this man at 258 Five pounds eight. runs a 44940. Do you understand what that means? He's just AJ Brown at 260 pounds, and he plays tight end. He's getting it covered by linebackers. The Denver offense has a tight end run a pass plan over 100% of their snaps. He's been about 35% route participation, while Fant is up over 70%. When Albert O missed, they basically treated Fant as a, as a wide receiver. He was getting up over 95% of the routes on occasions. Now they're a 10-point underdogs. They're going to have to pass to keep pace against the Dallas Cowboys. Presuming that Noah Fant misses, I think Albert Quabenom is a top-five tight end play on the entire slate, especially a week when there's no Gronk, there's no TJ Hawkinson, there's no whatever tight end Washington decides to run out for 100% of the routes no matter what. Uh, I am beyond excited to play Albert O., in every lineup that I have him, which is a fuckload of dynasty leagues because I'm obsessed with Albert Okwebenom. Uh, and I think that he's going to get you uh, quite a usable week this week. It's also going to probably be 40% owned in DFS. Yeah, he's going to see some massive, massive uh, usage in DFS this week. And he was, he was my pick, and I had him on the sheet first, but I'll give him to you. Uh, I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to go a little bit different route right here. I'm going to go with somebody that I believed in in the preseason. I, I believe in the system that he's in. I just, you know, he's somebody that, that's unimpressive. Still going to take a shot on him this week. I, it's, it's probably going to end up going up in flames, so don't take me too seriously on this one. I might give one share in DFS just to try and back up this take, but Tyler Croft. Tyler oh Croft. Oh, my gosh. It's bad, uh, but he's up against the, the Colts, right? He's killer. The, the Colts are, have allowed, I believe, the second most touchdowns per game to the tight end position. Cover two, baby. I mean, they've had games of 63 yards and a touchdown allowed to tight end, 160 yards and two touchdowns to the tight end. Uh, <clears throat> 50 yards, that was an 11-point game. And then what is this one right here? Uh, seven catches for 53 yards and a touchdown last week up against the Titans. I mean, they're giving up – they're just giving away – touchdowns and yards to tight ends that have no business doing it. I mean, I, I think that Tyler Croft in this system, who, by the way, he's running the routes. Uh, he, he took a little bit of a hit when he got hurt, you know, or whatever he was dealing with over Does the past he few weeks. Ryan Griffin now in routes? Uh, he definitely did. I'm pretty sure okay. he did last I wanna, week. I want to congratulate him. <laughs> but uh, he, he saw two receptions last week, I believe, for 20 yards and a touchdown. That's not great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I – he, he's a guy that can get in the end zone up against the Colts, and, and if he gets me 50 yards and a touchdown, I'm happy. What's the thing that they say on Living the Stream? Um, you could do 
worse. That's, that's, <laughs> that's yeah, that's literally my motto. Like week nine, <laughs> like after week nine on every waiver wire ad, it's like, look, there's worse shit out there than this. Um, I can't understand this. From yeah, I know. Time. Oscar, like, believe it or not, I do this show. Oh, Shane didn't even see it. Shane didn't even see when I put it up yes. earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Shane just offered me Booker and Connor for Miles Sanders. I kind of was Sanders for a meatball. So. <laughs> I would so much rather have a meatball sub than Miles. I got to be honest with you. Every time that I ever have a meatball sub, it brings yeah. me nothing but joy. Every time that's, I start Miles I Sanders, it brings me nothing but pain. If I could get some chips with that. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> I'm going with uh, uh, Dan Arnold. Um, how is he still outside the top 15? He's elite. Uh, he's elite. <laughs> he's 13. What, what number are we going up to? Uh, you can have 12 if you want. You can play 15. Dan Arnold if you want. It's 12, right? It's 15, but you can have it. Uh, well, whoever. Who, who's outside the 15? I already closed it. I'm not going to name all those players. You can stick with Dan Arnold if you really, really want. I'll go with Dan Arnold, and look, I'll even get, get an asterisk. I'll say he will give me a top five finish. There you go. Okay, that's fair. Um, for no particular reason, the Jacksonville Jaguar or yeah, the Jaguars absolutely love him and um, have made him and Jamal Agnew the focal point of the offense over the last <laughs> three weeks. So He's got 23 targets, 23 targets to 24 for Marvin Jones, just just mind boggling, and 17 compared to LaVisca Chenault. Um, Jamal Agnew, it's even worse, to be quite honest with you. Jamal Agnew actually is out, out targeted both of them. I, I'm going to go with Dan Arnold. Um, I, I, targets, man. Just targets. Did Agnew see 12 like, targets last week for like 28 yards or something? Yeah, yeah. He had That's six so receptions sad. for 39 yards and a touchdown. Um, I, I didn't look at how many of those throws were offline, but uh, it's not great, Bob. And that's who they're running the offense through, those two. So. Okay. It's a shocker they only scored eight points. Yeah. Man, I uh, shout out to to my man Eric Bimefor, uh, who was in second place. He was winning $150,000 in a tournament uh, going into the fourth quarter of that game. And he had played Pat Fryermuth. And Dan Arnold, I don't know how much he played DFS chain, but Dan Arnold was the stone chalk on DraftKings last week. He was yes, 60% owned in small field high dollar tournaments. Well, when you play these high stakes, like I don't play this high stakes, but like this is a $4,000 single entry tournament. When you play in these high stakes, small fields, like the ownership just gets super condensed around the sharpest plays. And and Arnold was 60% owned. He had like two catches going in the fourth quarter and he put up six catches in garbage time in these meaningless drives in the fourth quarter. And he dropped all the way from second to sixth. And and so, I mean, you still did great. Obviously had a huge winning week, but he was tweeting about it. I was like, oh my God, like I could not imagine the pain of watching 120,000 of my dollars go by the wayside because Dan Arnold is catching five-yard drag routes repeatedly. No, that, that's when you just look. That's when you know life is not your friend and you just look for alternate uh, alternate methods of uh, survival, of sustenance, of uh, awareness, of uh, consciousness um, because this mortal plane isn't for you. Dan Arnold is for you. <laughs> I actually I hit my first uh my first spot where I have to redeposit. So I, I take out money every week for for DFS and for pickums and all that stuff. I leave a hundred bucks in there. First week that I actually have to deposit everything back in since week two when everything went just like really screwy. But I'm kind of pissed off about it because 
Like I, I like to to sit there and take out money and pay my rent, pay my phone bills and everything every single week. But it's crazy because this was like these past two weeks have, have been my most successful weeks for Dynasty and for Redraft. But for DFS and Pickums, it just wasn't it. I mean, part of that had to do with uh, Patrick Mahomes and, you know, a couple of the random plays. But. Yeah, Patty Mahomes two weeks ago absolutely dusted me so badly. Yeah, yeah he, he actually limited my input for for this past week from two weeks ago when he got hurt. That, that sucked. But let's go ahead and get out of here. Oh, Jacob. Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter app, twitter.com slash FF underscore RTDB. Uh, you'll find it because I lost a bet because Carson Wentz has to throw into triple coverage. And my current name on Twitter is King Henry forever. My daddy. Uh, and that lasts for a period of seven days. I uh, can't wait till that period is ended. Uh, anyway, uh, that's where you can find me. You can find the Pareto principles for, uh, week number nine. That's the correct week. Week number nine uh, up on playerprofiler.com. And you can find me on the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast network with the Full Tilt Dynasty pod on Friday. We are doing a mock draft because it's that time of year when we can't come up with new content. Uh, and it's about halfway through. So we're doing a mock draft. Uh, and then Saturday, you'll find me for No Free Squares uh, to talk through the DFS slate and just how many bills can we play against the Jags in one lineup? All four. Like five? I actually don't know right, why I need to do that. I don't think. Uh, at, at, at Shane on the Shane is the worst, not Shane on the worst. Um, that's a Shane date. is the worst senior. Shane senior. on the worst is a date. Anyway, Shane is the worst on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> you can find my you, you can find uh, my written content at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and FantasyData.com. Uh, um, Dynasty Trades HQ. You can also find. Mannequin Chill on the DLF YouTube channel, and you can find Dynasty Trades in five on the YouTube channel. And we usually have a new episode every night, five minutes. Check it out. I just want to yeah. say, Dave, thank you for coming in, man. Appreciate it, brother. Uh, coming into yeah, the show. Real. We're happy to have Good you luck. back. The show's never the same without you and your bag <clears throat> milk. So we're, we're glad that you tuned in. Uh, and thanks to everybody for, for going. Also, free Odell. Yeah, Pascal Thomas, thanks for joining as well. And yeah, Toronto, I, this is why I'm so pissed off about Kenneth Gainwell because every lineup that I hit on, I also had Kenneth Gainwell in. Whenever you can so, play a third string running back at 17% owned, you got to do it. Oh, man, it was so brutal. I hated every last ounce of it. That really sucked. All right, you guys can go check me out over there at FF underscore intervention. You guys can find the dose score, D-O-C-E, over there at fantasyintervention.com slash dose, D-O-C-E. I got to shape that little presentation up a little bit, make it a little bit easier to read. But outside of that, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty accurate as of now, working on one or two more things. Hopefully Jacob sticks around and help me out with something. But we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you all for letting us intervene with your fantasy football life. We're out. So trophysmack.com. See, they got these trophies that are like three or four feet tall. Like they're insane. You can get one like fishbowls on it. You can get one with like bobbleheads on it. It is sick, man. You guys got to go check out trophysmack.com. I mean, you heard it. Ian didn't even know. And he literally vouched for the company without even knowing the news vouching for it. Go check out trophysmack.com. While you're there, go enter in promo code CIRCLE. 
Once again, that's promo code CIRCLE. You will get a free ring valued at 60 bucks. So go check out trophysmack.com. Go enter in the promo code CIRCLE to get your free ring 